kids should be fed calcium HPAs inhibitors. You know, foods like Rice Krispie Treats, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, you know, most of the cereals have BHA, BHT. A little bit of each toxin adds up because the thing that's amazing is that lead, mercury, cadmium, all the pesticides, trichloroethylene, um, benzopyrenes, they all have one thing in common. They all inhibit calcium ATPase. Welcome to The Better Podcast, where we attempt to rewrite the future of our health. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Farrell, the founder and CEO of Better Health. And with me today is news anchor, television personality, a mom of three, and a self-described hypochondriac, Aaron O'Hearn. So Aaron, what makes you super nervous about today's conversation? <laughs> um, what doesn't make me super nervous would probably be a better question than much shorter much concise. As you know, I am a hypochondriac. Everything scares me. I self-diagnose myself at least three times a day. Come on, there's got to be something recently in the last three to four days that has come up that has got you freaked out. Is it a bug bite? Is it the sun? What are you nervous about? Um, um, let's see. So I've been playing a lot of tennis and I have like this thing on my neck and I realize it's from serving. It's right here. But I did find like a muscle knot, but I was really convinced over the last three days that I had some sort of lung or spinal cancer. Absolutely. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Absolutely. Great. But my chiropractor reassured me that I didn't because I would have all these other symptoms, which I don't have. He just said, no, you're just totally crazy, but you're cancer free. Let's welcome our guest, Brundy Brody. She is the author of an upcoming book. The Calcium Connection. Over the past 10 years, Brundy has pulled together hundreds of threads from scientific journals, articles, and revealed the importance of the enzyme calcium ATPase. Alongside renowned specialist Dr. Russell Dahl, her goal is to share her knowledge with as many people as possible, make them educated on their health and lifestyle decisions. Brundy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So you have this debut book, The Calcium Connection, 10 plus years of work and research to solve something, a mysterious health issue. Who was dealing with this mysterious health issue? Kind of give us the background of what launched you into this crusade. Yeah, sure. So my son, Knut, who um, first day he was born, he had problems going to the ICU and coming home with sleep apnea and swallowing problems. He'd get the liquid into his lungs. He'd have pneumonia. He had asthma. He had low muscle tone. He had all these rashes. So I was kind of overwhelmed as you can imagine, and um, started doing the round of all the doctors, like, you know, the neuromuscular specialist who did the myasthenia gravis test, the metabolic diseases, the therapy for swallowing, he had to thicken his foods, took all the allergy tests, and everything came back negative. So I was kind of like, okay, you know, I don't know what to do here. You know, back 20 years ago, I was totally naive. I'd had like my whole floor torn up and redone. I had new carpet. I had the nursery painted. I didn't, I was, he was on formula. You know, I fed him Pedialyte, Gerber food. So, so anyway, that's kind of in the background. In my mind, that's not Canute's, that's not the cause of Canute's problems. He just happens to have something within his system that makes him super sensitive to those. So even on a perfect day, you know, he's not the strongest kid. He's strong, but he's not, he knows. So, so it's a kind of a combination of environment and genetics. Um, but basically what I began to do is really pay attention to when his symptoms got worse. And one of the things that was easy to look at was his muscle tone. 
and in particular his eyelids because he had something called ptosis, which is where the eyelid droops. So it's very, you know, you notice it or you don't, it's very clear. So what I began to notice is that when he ate a lot of processed foods slash um, junk, candy would die or whatever, his eyelids would start drooping. He'd break out in bumps and he just would be not feeling good. So I kind of went online and sure enough, there's a bunch of parents whose kids have similar sensitivities. So that was great, but I wanted to know why. So I really dived deep into muscle function. And since he didn't have myasthenia gravis, those type of diseases, I had to kind of start from scratch. And as it turns out, calcium regulation within the muscle cells is a big player in muscle contraction and relaxation. So from there, I went on PubMed and I started looking at the things he was sensitive to, like certain uh, additives like TBHQ, certain dyes, you know, pesticides, all those things. And as it turns out, they all inhibited this enzyme, calcium ATPase, which is crucial in calcium regulation within the muscle cells. So that kind of was like the aha moment of, okay, well, that makes sense. If he's sensitive to calcium regulation, these things have an effect on it. So that explains his muscles. But then I went on from there and it was like, well, but what about his like really incredibly allergic responses to things? And as it turns out, if you reduce calcium ATPase, it triggers mast cell degranulation, even without an allergic trigger. And with an allergic trigger, it magnifies it. So that kind of was like an aha moment for all of his strange bumps and itching and all those kind of things. And, um, and then another thing that was really upsetting was his mood changes. And, you know, when, it, when a baby is one, you know, it's not your fault. You know, you haven't screwed him up yet. So, <laughs> so like, it didn't make any sense by one second, you know, one day be okay. And the next second, just out of, you know, not you know, early in the morning before you could be tired. Um, so I so then I kind of looked into I looked into to neurotransmitter release and calcium regulation plays a key role in neurotransmitter release and uptake. So so basically going all organic, no processed food, you know, cleaning up my house, getting air filters, getting everything set, um, I was able to get him to where he he was okay. So. As I began to learn about calcium ATPase, I was just so fascinated by it. And I began to learn how important it was. It's in every cell of the body and how important it is to every single cell function. And then from there, you know, there's like 25,000 articles in PubMed about calcium ATPase and diseases and pesticides. And so I was just like, you know, people should know about this. So I just began to learn and learn and learn. And in the meantime, I found Dr. Dahl. And he's a researcher and is developing compounds that stimulate calcium ATPase for disease treatment. That was great. I, I'm, I'm curious. So have they, have they now formalized giving this uh, disease a name? So there's a genetic skin disease called Darius disease, which is related to calcium ATPase. There's a muscle disease, which is only muscles related to calcium ATPase. But Canute's symptoms are so over the top of, so calcium regulation within the cell is controlled by a number of different things. Calcium ATPase is one. There's also the sodium calcium exchanger, and there's also the sodium potassium pump, and there's also the mitochondria. For someone to be sensitive to calcium dysregulation, any of those things could be off. So I don't know which component for Canute 
is not working properly. All I know is that when he's exposed to things that mess with calcium ATPase, he has a reaction. Right. So at the cellular level, for the listeners out there, at the cellular level, when you're talking about the mitochondria, which is basically the powerhouse of the cell to give your body energy, um, that is a contributing factor. And anything that's affecting the cell in general could affect the ATPase uh, enzymes. Well, yeah. And also the mitochondria pick up calcium that's left over, like if the ATPase isn't working properly. So there's just a lot of different levers that the body is so complicated, right? So there's just a lot of different levers. But the net net is that he's sensitive to things that, that affect calcium ATPase because that affects calcium regulation. Exactly why, I can't say. So I'm just curious what, when you did all this research and, and you were obviously having conversations with your doctors and his doctors, how, what was sort of the evolution of their diagnosis or their feelings on how to treat him or? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I started out just being, you know, totally uneducated and just trying to find the answers and they're all in good faith, right? They all want to help your kid. There's no, you know, good and bad here, but it was just really frustrating, you know, to treat the symptoms like having to thicken his food for swallowing without having any explanation as to why that was happening or why he was having this low. I mean, it was hard for him to be in a stroller. I mean, just his general low muscle tone. But the problem was he met his, not the problem. He, he met his, you know, developmental goals, but, you know, but always like at the very, very end. So the doctors were like, let's just wait and see, you know, how things go. So I did that. In the meantime, I mean, I just, I didn't know. I didn't even think that I had any, any role in it you know, but it just kind of developed from watching what he was sensitive to and having exhausted anything that the medical community could tell me, I didn't go down that road of trying to convince them of what I, what, what was, what was, I did originally, you know, but it's like, oh, those look like mosquito bites or are those mites? You know, right. you know like there's different skin issues. Um, I, you know, I just kind of, I just said to myself, I don't, it's not important to me for people to understand what's important for me is that Canute feels better, whatever I can figure out that can help him. You know, originally I didn't go down. I had no concept of, oh, I'm going to try to make this into something that can help people. It was simply survival of trying to help him. First of all, I mean, that's, I think that that's every parent who tries if they have, if their child is struggling you know, that's what their main goal is. And I think, you know, down the road, once they have at least a handle on that, then they can sort of think bigger picture, you know, yeah. like you did informing people on what they need to know. I guess my, the reason I asked that question is because obviously you're an intelligent, educated woman and had the willingness and the background to, and the strength really to sort of do this on your own. You know, there's so many parents who I see whose children are struggling, whether it be with, you know, a certain condition or an allergy or, you know, some unknown disease, they're, they're sort of frozen in fear because they look to the doctors and not, again, not that the doctors aren't trying their best, but I guess, you know, what would your advice be for parents who have, you know, a child who th there is no clear answer? 
Right. I mean, I mean, so one thing I, I will say is it's, it's good to rule out the things that can be diagnosed, right? Do the metabolic test, do the neuromuscular test, do the allergy testing. I mean, it's good to rule those out because there are things that are very direct. The second thing is what you have to remember is you're with your kid as a mother or a father 24-7. So you really get to see how they are on a moment-by-moment basis. And you know, sometimes you, you, at least for me, I would see something, but then I would doubt it. Like, okay, no, it's just because it can't really be that he's sensitive to this stuff. I mean, I, you know, it must just kind of just be, but so then the first step is observation and, and noticing things that seem to maybe be triggers. And then the second part is try them again and again and again until you're convinced, you know, because that's really important both for me and my son, we've learned from trying and trying and trying the the same things that trigger him just to make sure, because you don't want to give things up. So I I guess the main thing is, is your child is one person and you just have to pay attention as best you can to how they're doing relative to the things they're exposed to. Like, for example, for Canoe, when he would go to the jumpy pits, you know, which are filled with fire retardants, he would come home and he would just be covered in red bumps and red itchiness. But, you know, I I thought that couldn't be, you know, jumpy pits are good. I wanted to have the exercise, right? So you kind of really have to be willing to buck the crowd, which is not easy. People will think you're crazy, but what you kind of keep having to come back to is what is best for my child or how does my child feel? Because that's, that's the goal. But, the, but another good thing, which wasn't available when I was going through this, is there weren't so many great websites. So now there's a lot of great websites that have different theories and different ideas. The only thing I would say is I do think you can get led down a lot of rabbit holes the people promising the solution. And I think that that is its own, its own issue. I mean, I think that start with the basics, start with the foods your kids eat, the environment they're in, the electromagnetic fields they're around, you know, get the basics clear and then try what, what seems right. But just I've I've had friends who've tried so many different things that ends up making their kids worse and then they get really discouraged. You know, just be wary of people that are selling something. I I agree with you 100%. I mean, disease is the number one selling product of all time and the more they can subclassify and categorize it, the more things that they can sell to us. So it's very difficult to believe in. And it sounds to me, you know, your, your body has all thousands of enzymes in there. Very, very important. But with ATPase, this is so crucial to muscle contraction, neurotransmitters, uh, so many different items within the body. It's a, it's a very, very important one. It sounds like you've identified that for your son specifically, diet and environmental toxins were the number one triggers yeah. that would that would cause competition for this ATPase not to right. be abundant and was competing what would you say are kind of like your top changes that you've done? Because in my mind, your son's story really points to how many of us are, the reason why many of us are not experiencing great health now. In the past 20, 30 years, toxins have exploded. Our lifestyle environment, I mean, we've just 
basically are swimming in toxicity, which is fanning the flames of inflammation. And by and large, most of us are suffering from this at some small degree, right? Your son was maybe a little bit more sensitive or definitely was more sensitive, but this is something that everyone needs to know because maybe it might not be affecting your calcium ATPase, but it's affecting so many other enzymes and your gut health. So what are the things that you removed? Like what are your like kind of number one target toxins that you would remove from the home, not just for people that are affected by this? Yeah, I mean, so, but just as a side note, um, calcium ATPase is really crucial in neurodevelopment and neurite growth in kids. So when they, they did a test where they looked at neurons over the different periods of development and put them with calcium ATPase inhibitors and it reduced neuron growth, neuron length, and neuron complexity. So even if your kid's not sensitive, like Canute, no kid should be fed calcium ATPase inhibitors. There are so many kids, you know, foods like Rice Krispie Treats, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, you know, most of the cereals have BHA, BHT, you know, all the food dyes, but, but I mean, they're just, it's just junk food, right? So the first thing would be to eliminate junk food. The second thing would be in the house, you know, get a water filter because there's so many toxins that go in our water. Um, and even just a little bit, a little bit of each toxin adds up because the thing that's amazing is that lead, mercury, cadmium, all the pesticides, trichloroethylene, um, benzopyrenes, they all have one thing in common. They all inhibit calcium ATPase. So you get these in little bits everywhere, but they all add up. And so everybody should be aware of it. And there's just things that like you wouldn't think of like cadmium, like little gold buttons on your women's clothing. Well, the kid sucks that that's made with cadmium or teen jewelry or vintage toys like Thomas the Tank Engine. It had a big recall in early 2000 because of lead and all the Fisher Price Elmo toys. So like, I'm the kind of person that would want to save all the toys to give to my grandkid, right? But those are kind of just some things you wouldn't think about or, or just the summer grill when you're cooking food on the grill, if you burn it a lot, that creates benzopyrenes, which are a major calcium ATPase inhibitor. In addition to cooking with aluminum foil, if you cook something citric on it, like a lot of fish recipes are, you know, fish and lemon wrapped in a foil pouch. Well, the, the acidity of the lemon causes the aluminum to leach into the food. So there's just kind of all these little things, um, different sunscreens. There's just a lot of little things. And, and in my book, the point is you don't have to be perfect. But you should just be aware. Um, and a lot of it goes very much with what your what your protocol is, you know, because so many of the things that have a negative effect on the biome are the same things that have a negative effect on calcium ATPase. So to your point, the big picture is exposure to all these different toxins and things that we all should be aware of. You're right. It's not about being perfect, but let me paint the scenario that's about to happen after this podcast or maybe even during this podcast. Erin is home. Her kids are home for the summer. Right now, her, her Italian husband, Sal, is probably grilling on the grill as we speak. She's going to run down to the basement, grab her Tickle Me Elmo's from the kids thing. She's going to bury it in the backyard. She's going to run out. She's going to knock the barbecue grill into the water. She's going to dechlorinate <laughs> the water. Uh, so, Erin, she said you don't have to be perfect. No, I well, actually, it's funny. That, all right. So you're right. Uh, I was actually making a to-do list of like all the things that I have to get rid of in my house. You just burn the house. You're just going to burn the I house am. down. He's a builder. We could get another one. 
Um, so well, it's funny that you said that, you know, you don't have to be perfect, which I don't really know what that means, but, uh, no, I actually had this conversation because, you know, we don't have a ton of junk food in our house. Like we eat pretty healthy and, um, my kids eat healthy and my older two are really good eaters. They'll eat a variety of food. I'm not super in tune to sort of the other toxins, the cleaning uh, stuff. Like I think yeah. I have to take another look at that, which I'm going to do after this podcast. But I was talking to a friend the other day. And when you said, you know, you don't have to be perfect. It's such a hard battle to fight with your kids. And when they're around other kids, you know, about what kind of foods they consume, what kind of, um, my one son loves burnt toast, but we don't do it on the grill. So I'm not going to worry about that. Right. No, well, if it's burnt, it's got the carcinogenic effect. Burnt, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, anyway, okay, so I got to stop that. But anyway, the, the point is, is that I've tried to loosen up some restrictions yeah. for my kids because I feel like they complain all the time and then yeah. they go to another house and then it's like, little bites, Doritos, like, and right, you know, right. Like, yeah. But I mean, I don't, I would like to get your advice or your input on sort of you know, standing firm on that to a certain degree, because it's not just about the calories or, I mean, there are true toxins in these foods because they're, they really even shouldn't be considered foods is what you're saying. Right. right? So how, yeah. How old are your kids? Uh, almost 12, 10 and eight. Right. Um, you know, kids are so bright these days. If you sit down and, you know, give them some science about it. I mean, that, that helped with Canute. You know, understanding, um, but the, but but the reality is, Canute, who knows all this, right, will make the mistake of you know, kind of having a timeout, going out with his friends, and then thinking, hey, this doesn't affect me, and then he does it another day, and then all of a sudden, by the third day, he feels terrible, so he gets back on track. So what I what I really um, would suggest is is knowledge because ultimately that's what motivates people. I think for your kids to really understand what's happening and that you're doing it out of love. It's not a moral issue. I mean, for me, if Canute could eat junk food and it didn't affect him, Hey, you know, nothing makes me happier than for him to enjoy something. So I think to take the morality out of it is, is good and bad, but more change it to, I love you. We're on the same team. And, you know, I feel like, these, I mean, lead and mercury have the same impact. They inhibit calcium ATPs. You know, this is like a watered-down version of lead, <laughs> these calcium ATPs inhibitors. So I, I think the main thing is to take it away from a struggle, a moral struggle, but turn it into a discussion. That's great advice. I mean, we're dousing our kids in it. Uh, I mean, the summer's coming here, and we, you, I think we mentioned pre-show, you said something about, you know, going swimming and, and swimming pools. So you have a couple of tips because there's the sunscreen, there's the swimming in the chlorine. I mean, yeah, I mean, okay. I'm not going to say you can, you know, kids shouldn't swim in chlorine pools, but what they definitely should not do is jump in right after the pool guys come, you know, when, when they pour in all the chlorine and you get and you smell the chlorine vapors. I mean, it just makes common sense to you know, wait a few hours. If you can smell the chlorine strongly, it's just not a good time to swim because not only are they getting it on their bodies, they're breathing it into their lungs. And then also that also goes for the pool toys, right? When you get them out of the packaging, blow them up, they smell so, so plasticky, right? So 
if you get a new toy, the best thing is it needs to off gas. And if that's not going to work, you know, wash it down with some soap to try to get some of that plastic stuff off because in the heat, you know, the fumes just are released. And there's not a lot of options for non-toxic pool toys um, right now. So, you know, you're kind of stuck with them and they can be fun. I just, just when they smell plasticky and they make you sick, just blowing them up, you shouldn't use them. In terms of the sunscreens, you know, it's ridiculous that we have all these kids trained to spray <laughs> all these chemicals all over their bodies. And what's interesting, just in January, this a study in the journal, uh, American Journal of Medicine, um, showed that even after one use of chemical sunscreen, it shows up in your bloodstream. And after four days of use, there's still sunscreen in your system 21 days out. So the, the chemical, they thought for a long time, the chemicals were not absorbed into the, into the body. And one of those oxybenzone is a calcium ATPase inhibitor. The other ones I have no idea because they haven't been tested for that. So no matter what, at the very least, no chemical sunscreens and no spray aerosol because the kids just breathe that into their lungs. And then also no lip balm with chemical stuff. So that's like the easiest, that's a no brainer. So you just suggest mineral sunscreen? Is that? Yeah. So mineral sunscreen, but this is where it gets a little tricky. So tier two would be mineral sunscreens that you can buy at Dwayne Reed or Walgreens, right? So they're better than the chemical ones. So that would be my second tier suggestion. If that's what, if that's all you can manage, it's still an improvement. The third tier would be the mineral sunscreens from companies that don't have a ton of toxic ingredients, you know, like the kind you buy at Whole Foods, right? Those kind of mineral sunscreens. But, but ultimately, what is the best and the safest is non-nanoparticle zinc and titanium dioxide. And the reason why is this, although studies have not shown that that's absorbed into the bloodstream, the suggestion is it's just absorbed into the skin cells. Titanium dioxide and zinc oxide nanoparticles are calcium ATPase inhibitors. And the reason why that's important in the skin is that skin cancer is associated with reduced calcium ATPase in the skin. So that's one of the triggers for skin cancer, reduced calcium ATPase. So even though it's not absorbed into your body, those tiny, tiny molecules, instead of staying on the surface and reflecting the sun, which is what they're supposed to do, they're mineral sunscreens, you put them on, it reflects the sun, it's not absorbed. But when it's the tiny nanoparticles, it is absorbed. And it does reduce calcium ADPase in the skin cells. And that, over the long run, can make you more susceptible to cancer. You know, and you have to go on Amazon pretty much to find those things non-nanoparticles, but like Badger makes it like, there's a number of different organic ones that make it, but it's harder to find. So when, you know, in your, in your ideas scenario of not being a perfectionist, I'm sure you'll go looking for the non-nano, but, but even if, you know, it's still better for people to use mineral. What about no sunscreen? Let me speak to that a second. So uh, remember a few podcasts back, we had doctors, we had Sudhir on mm -hmm. with his skincare. Yeah. So I was plagued with this for so many years because I was always about eliminating as many toxics in the environment as you could for the human. And then we do an elimination reintroduction process with food so they can figure out, as you said, real time on their own bodies every single day, what works best for them and what doesn't. And lo and behold, even though I used to do all those fancy tests, 
96% of the stuff that they were dealing with resolves itself, whether it's headaches, sleep issues, stubborn weight, you know, just by doing this elimination reintroduction and watching what they were putting in their environment and on, mostly on their skin. The issue was people like Aaron would say, great, well, what can I put on my skin? So <laughs> I, I could, I could never find a good product until, uh, recently I, not recently, a few years ago, I was at a dinner party and this guy's like, my uncle does organic skincare. I go, yeah, but how organic is it? Cause everyone says it's natural, but there's still those hidden chemicals. So come to find out this guy is a vegetarian, a Yale trained biopharmacist. He actually created it. So his, I've been using his sunscreen, which by the way is $20 for a bottle. It's lasted me longer than the chemicals. My wife still insists on spraying on the kids. Uh, so I'm calling out my wife on this podcast. I have two sons. One is very, I have one vanilla, one chocolate. One of them can go out, great tan. The other one, sun burns them quickly. This has aloe vera. It has the non-nano zinc oxide in it. It has shea butter, raspberry seed oil. Um, Sounds great. Citrus, uh, it has microalgae. Uh, and then he has lavender essential oil and vitamin E. I put this on my son. I'm like, all right, this is the test. If it's good on my, on Dimitri, it's good. Put it on, not one lick of sunburn. His skin looked amazing because he's got this vitamin E and this lavender essential oil. And so that's the only reason why on our website, we carry it's O it's OM botanical. We actually, it's just a pastor. We actually put it on our site so people can find it. It is the most amazing stuff. And finally, I feel good that I can put it on the skin yeah. uh, and, and not worry, uh, particularly yeah. with a fair child. And it's not costing, you know, what's good about Sudiri is doing this to help people. So a $20 skincare bottle like this, that, probably will last us a few months during the summer is, that's you know, awesome. amazing. That sounds great. I can't wait to get it. That's it's so awesome. good. It, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the best. Um, in terms of, of not using sunscreen, you know, I personally feel like kids don't have to be slathered with sunscreen every time they walk out the door because your body's natural sunscreen is melon. And if that's never even turned on at all, you know, you're always going to be super, I mean, you're, if you're white as can be, you're not going to have any protection when you don't have sunscreen. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I kind of feel like 15, 20 minutes, you know, over a month or two, you know, every day is good because not only for the vitamin D, but also you, you have to trigger the melon production. Otherwise you're never going to have any, any protection from the sun. I mean, I, so Sorry, I just have one question about this because I really do worry about sunscreen because I do know how many chemicals are in it. And, you know, luckily, I mean, my kids are are healthy. They're outdoors a lot because they're engaged in a lot of sports and I just encourage them to be outside a lot, but none of them are fair. I mean, even my fairest, my middle, who is lighter than the other two, doesn't burn. I mean, he just doesn't, he comes really dark, right? So. I'm less paranoid about slathering them. I mean, I tell them to put it on in the morning, you know, on their face. I mean, especially my daughter, because I look at my face and like, I have so many sunspots. I was also from tanning beds and the extra face thing. Um, but I, sometimes I feel bad because I'm not as paranoid. Because oh, I don't know. Like, yeah. I mean, honestly, if I were you, I mean, I mean, with, with Knut, he was fair and that was a real problem because the sunscreens were so bad for him. But I wouldn't put, I mean, maybe if they get burned on their cheeks, I, I, I just wouldn't. I that's just, what I do. I'm like, put it under your eyes and that's it. Yeah. I mean, I just wouldn't, you okay. know, a tan is your best protection. I agree. I mean, yeah. I don't put a whole lot of sunscreen on my body. I put it on my face because every dermatologist is like, you have too many spots, but 
I don't burn either. Yeah. I mean, me either. And, but as, but as a slow process, like I start out with like, you know, 20 minutes, you know, but, but the net net is that melon production once it's triggered is a big protection. Well, i why I want people to get your book calcium connection is for what kind of what Aaron said earlier is like, well, how do you do this with your kids? How, how do you do this with adults? How do you do this with everybody is educate yeah. Yeah. is, is understand how much science, just a, a quick Google of Dr. Dahl's name. And it's like hundreds of PubMed. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't even count how many articles he had. And I think you've done a great job of breaking it down to really explain it because when you explain how important this is, I don't want people to come away with, if your son is having or daughter's having issues, this is what you need to do. This cellular health is affecting everybody in some form or fashion uh, right now. In my mind, without understanding true cellular health and how to improve it, which your book does a great job, and there's so many different uh, studies backing it up, and there's a lot of uh, great information there. It's protecting you from Alzheimer's. It's protecting you from dementia. Absolutely. It's protecting you from cancer. Right. Um, and so- as you put it, this little known enzyme, yeah. right, is just so powerful. And given that explanation, I think is beautiful and great. And it's an amazing read. And I think just armed with reading your book alone would just open up a lot of eyes because I think you said it before is people are so surprised how quickly their body responds to cutting these toxins out or just like you say, right. And you're just like, a, just try it. Right. Three days. Yeah. Three days. I mean, it's amazing, right? It. Yeah. yeah. People always say, um, I call last night, one of the clients said, yeah, it's like magic. And I'm like, well, it kind of is magic because it's your own body and your own body is so equipped if you just give it the right environment to do so. And I, I really think people should, um, you know, go out and get your book. I have to tell you that I can't wait to read it because I really appreciate advice from other parents about how to talk to their kids, not just what to do, but how to explain it to them because it's, it's important that they understand why there are certain rules in place or why you're doing this for them, because the whole point is to arm them with knowledge so that they, when they move out of the house and they're making decisions for themselves, they can figure this stuff out too, right? Because yeah. they may develop an allergy. They may develop a sensitivity when they're in college or feel like, and they need to know how to understand their body and what adjustments to make and not yeah. just take a pill or put some cream on and say, I'm done with it. Yeah. And kids are so smart now. I mean, it's mm -hmm. just, uh, by the way, I do have a little video and it's kind of for younger kids, a little cartoon about calcium ATPs. It's on my website somewhere, but yeah, just cause it's kind of a, a really broad brush overview. And it's brundybrody.com. Brundybrody.com. And I have, um, Instagram, brundybrody and Facebook and, and actually, We've just started up a website called Kind Moms and it's for kids in need of a diagnosis. So it's kind of moms that whose kids are kind of struggling in it. It's just starting up. So there's just like a hundred or maybe 200 people, but kind of the mother issue is something I'm going to pursue more on the side, just, just because I know what it's like. So that's something hopefully will people will be able to take advantage of, you know, more and more. I think that there would be a lot of parents who would be appreciative of that. Yeah. I think they look to other parents. Yeah. And by the way, I just, I saw that you went to that other Ivy League school. <laughs> Where did you go? I went to Cornell, the easiest okay. one to get into. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. Th those schools are impossible these days, right? Mm, my like, son is insistent that he's going to go. I'm like, you better keep playing lacrosse. <laughs> 
My my kids are of the opposite opinion. They're trying to figure out how they're going to skip it all and just go straight into business. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's. I would. I wish. I wish I had done that in hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> you learn. You learn your lessons. Absolutely. Well, it has been such a pleasure to have you. And again, please go get that book, The Calcium Connection. I think it's going to open up everybody's eyes. It's going to help those that are struggling, worrying about their kids, their family members. There's some idiopathic conditions going on right now. You know, since even in the last 10 years, autoimmune issues have just skyrocketed. 65% of us are dealing with some type of digestive health issue. We know that diabetes has exploded, hypertension. There is a connection. At the cellular level, we are wrapping ourselves in toxicity and oftentimes plastic with all the microplastics. So we have to clean ourselves out. There's no knight in shining armor with the new pharmaceutical coming out that's going to save the day. Uh, This is becoming intergenerational for the first time in history. It's proven that, as you mentioned, with the neurotransmitters, the uh, neural pathways, this is the first time in history our kids have a lower life expectancy than we do. It's proven to affect and lower their IQ levels. And so no wonder we're just a zombie land of, of humans and ripe for the pandemic that just hit us. Absolutely. So this is a, a really great thing. You did an excellent job with the book and uh, continue the crusade. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back in a, f- a few more episodes. Thanks for having me. Your, your show is great and you're great. And I love your message and, and just your whole integrity about it all. And you guys are really funny too. So, oh, and, yeah, I'm I mean, just I, 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 I have zero it. integrity. I'm just funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. At least you're funny. That's good enough. Um, well, no, you have integrity because you say what you think. So that's, that's like the most important level of integrity. That's right. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Okay, you guys. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay, bye. Bye. Okay, Erin. Well, that was a lot to absorb. No pun intended with the uh, sunscreen. Oh, nice. Nice throw there. Erin. Mm-hmm. I know uh, you're probably convinced right now you have some type of calcium imbalance and actually I'm not really. Cause mm-hmm. you do. And I just wanted to bring it up quick. <laughs> I can up. see it. <laughs> I can see it. Uh, I've developed a test. Actually, I always worry I have a calcium imbalance because I've never been a milk. Well, I, since I, I mean, when I was little, I was, but I'm not a milk drinker and I don't make my kids drink milk. I thought you said I'm not a milf. Well, that would be untrue. Uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, like I don't have my kids drink cow's milk unless it's in their cereal, right? Like they don't drink cups of milk. Right. So I worry about that. A little bit of milk is good. I will tell you this. Almond milk is the devil. Yeah. There, I said it. Uh, people are w- wondering why I keep saying that. My own wife literally will not listen to me on this. If you have anything in excess, your body can develop a response to it or a reaction or what people would call an allergic response. And I think what's happening is you're soaking out all the fat, all the good stuff of almond milk, combining it with water. Who knows what Starbucks is combining it with? And we're making all these almond milk lattes thinking this stuff is healthy for us. But I'm watching clinically people that drink almond milk or use almond milk have uh, anxiety, depression. They're, it's really? hard for them to lose weight. If you had a few almonds a day, it'd be one thing. But to have that fluff, I think you're getting all the allergic parts of the almond, like obviously Anything in excess is no good. Have an almond milk latte every single day. Oh, no. Well, nothing every single day. What about oat milk? Yeah, I I think everything in moderation. I think that what happens is when you say oat milk, you might be taking out. Anytime we try to juice something and you take out the natural components of it, the fibrous parts of it, when you take out the whole, 
it's when you have a problem. That's the same thing with kind of gluten. Gluten has there's so many different variations of gluten, but when someone oftentimes goes overseas and starts eating fresh baked bread that doesn't, you know, hasn't been processed like we have here, they don't have an issue. They eat our bread and their their skin flares up. No, I understand, but what should I put in my coffee? I'm asking you. I, I would just uh, you can use a little oat milk. You can use a little. You can use regular cow's milk as well. Okay. You know, just use the natural stuff that your body knows how to process. Of course, if you're lactose intolerant and you know that, that's not the best idea. But a, a little bit of cow's milk in your in your morning coffee is not going to cause an issue. But having a latte of almond milk and oat milk. Well, I don't drink lattes anyway. I just put a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, this show's not all about you. I, well, right now it is because you're asking me what I learned and what I'm worried about. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone, to The Better Podcast brought to you by BetterHealth.com. For episodes, be sure to subscribe to this feed on the podcast app you're using right now. This episode was edited and produced by Earfluence. I'm Dr. Bill Farah, and we'll see you again on The Better Podcast. Hey there, listeners. Did you know we not only have an award-winning podcast, but we have an amazing blog to go with it? If you go over to BETRHealth.com and click on the blog button, you'll have access to recipes, member stories, food is medicine tips, and so much more. That's BETRHealth.com slash blog.